everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Marketplace Multipliers Podcast, where we feature men and women who are intentional in integrating their faith and influencing for Christ at work. We believe God is at work, at work. My name is Jeff Clark, and I work as the Associate Head Basketball Coach at Indiana Wesleyan University. Today's featured MM is Diane Foley, who most recently worked in the United States Department of Health and Human Services, and has been involved with Global Partners and World Hope International. You'll hear from Global Partners Director Dennis Jackson in our third interview. But first, here's General Superintendent Wayne Schmidt to give insight into the global potential of the MM movement and how he is already beginning to see partnerships that are allowing the movement to be contextualized into new regions. We're joined again by General Superintendent Wayne Schmidt. And Wayne, today we really have a global feature on this podcast. Can you share a little bit about what you're seeing across the globe when it comes to MM? Yeah, we're going to hear from Diane Foley today, and her and her, Steve, her husband, Steve, I've known him, them since college days, great medical doctors, but have this global heart. And Jeff, that is so true of so many of our marketplace multipliers. They're very involved and engaged in their companies. Many of them are global companies or global kinds of work. But even if that's not the case, they really have a heart for the global church and global marketplace multipliers. So what's the potential and and how is it happening already before the launch event? You're already seeing this spread to different places across the globe. Well, you know, the the global church is flourishing uh, around the world and in some places much faster than North America. And so in some ways we're we're keeping up with them. Hector Perez, for instance, who leads all our Spanish-speaking countries outside of North America. We call it Ibero-America. He is our MM leader for that region, and Seema Justin, her and her husband Linus, are in India, and she is leading the Asia-Pacific realm. So what I love about it is we have these marketplace multipliers and these leaders who are in context, already credible leaders who are helping to spread marketplace multipliers around the globe. And how's that connecting back to what's happening here in in America? So uh, on our strategy team, we partner with them because we want to learn from them as well as let them know what we've already provided in terms of resources. So on our team, Yadi Acevedo, who uh, is obviously bilingual and has such a tremendous global reach through her global pharmaceutical company, she is partnering with Hector Perez in Ebro America. Seema Justin is partnering with Earl McJet, who is part of a kind of a webinar for leaders in marketplace multiplier leaders in Asia Pacific. So our team is partnering with those uh, leaders in context to see marketplace multiplier spread. It's exciting for those who are really praying for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And we're going to hear from Diane Foley now being interviewed by Dave Gersh. First of all, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your context and your work. There's sort of different seasons of it, but kind of all of your work, the major seasons that it's been. Steve and I both graduated and then went to um, IU School of Medicine in Indianapolis. So we were both accepted to IU, ended up in Indianapolis for four years, um, and then looked really all over for residency programs that would fit for both of us and 
all of that and um, ended up matching back in Indianapolis. So established a practice there, lived in Fishers. I was in pediatrics. There was that idea of really having that call. And I think being involved in medicine and having the opportunity to work with um, families, um, help them parent their children, you know, come alongside of them, assist them, not only with just the medical things that were happening, but all of the psychosocial things that happen in development and adolescence life. I mean, it was just such such a calling and there were so many opportunities where I had it, had the opportunity to really share personal um, spiritual stories with people. And I, you know, you go through medical school and you're told, you know, your personal beliefs are your own, you should keep them to yourself, you know, those kinds of things. And, and what I found was that, yes, um, I can't force that on my patients for sure. But in my exam rooms, I could put little things around that would point to the fact that I was a believer versus, you know, verses or pictures or things like that that would point to that. And when that time would come, I would say to my patients, can I share something personal with you? I have never had a patient say no, ever. And at that point, I stepped out of the, took off my doctor hat put on my other hat and was able to share whether it was a scripture, whether it was praying with them, whether it was a way that I had seen God work in my life. And so over and over and over and over again, that opportunity came to where it became a very natural thing to be able to say, you know, let me, let me share something personal with you. Let me, is it okay if I share with you personally how I might do this? You know, those, those kinds of things. And so that's where I feel like in the marketplace as a health worker, there's, People are so vulnerable when they are sick that you have an amazing opportunity, but you also have an amazing responsibility, right? And so to not take advantage of that situation, but to really use, there's promptings. There's times when very clearly I could feel a prompting, you need to pray with this patient now. So again, when you look back, you can see the way God leads you in different ways. In 2004, some things happened in Steve's practice where there was some, some, Oh, angst, I guess is the right word, around his real um, activism around the whole pro-life issue. And so as a result of that, Steve ended up leaving his practice and then um, was looking for partners, couldn't find anybody that wanted to join him in a partnership. And I remember he came home one day, it was early in the fall, and he said, you know, he said, I, I think we're supposed to move and go someplace else. And I looked at him like he was completely insane. I'm establishing this really good practice here. You've just started something new. The kids are in school. We're involved in the church. But, you know, I committed that I would, that let's pray about this. And if God really wants us to do this, he's going to make it clear we're going to do this. We committed to doing that. So long story short, we ended up moving to Colorado in 2004, starting it all over again. I'm telling you all this because where I am today would not have happened if we hadn't moved to Colorado. And um, I just now I look back on this and think, dad used to say, God's the only one that can see around the corner. And, and, and it's so true because, I mean, I never would have thought. I get to Colorado, tried to find another practice like North Point. There wasn't one. You know, when you've started your own thing, you're like, I don't know, everything else just doesn't add up. And so I ended up um, really changing focus and concentrating on adolescent gynecology in Steve's office and started volunteering at the local pregnancy resource center. Long story short, they had just gotten a federal grant um, to um, teach abstinence-based sex education in the public schools in Colorado Springs, and they needed somebody to coordinate that. And so they asked me, would I be willing to come on and, and direct that program? And I thought, 
I'm a doctor. Like, I don't know anything about nonprofits. I'm like, what? I just was like, I don't really think so. And again, the director said to me, well, would you be willing to pray about it? You know, so that was, again, a phrase where I stopped and prayed, and it became very clear that's what I was supposed to do. So I transferred, still worked part-time in Steve's office, but did this mostly, and got to know, um, by, by managing this federal grant, I ended up going to national conferences, and then got to know some people, and, and continued that for, you know, five or six years, and it was really a very successful thing in Colorado Springs. But it was time to move on to that. And then um, H.C. Wilson came to me <laughs> and said, we need somebody to kind of, if we're going to do medical work in, in Global Partners, we need somebody to kind of help to coordinate that. It was just, the whole thing was so challenging. And I just loved it. Loved working with the missionaries. And in January of 2018, Steve and I were actually, and, and Steve was in a part-time practice and that he could travel with me. So we were going, you know, to Haiti and to Zambia and to Sierra Leone and to South Africa. I just, it was like, okay, this is what God has for us for the rest of our lives. And we we're on the plane getting ready to come to Haiti and the, my phone rang and it was my friend that I had worked with who had gone to work for the Trump administration, Health and Human Services. So my phone's ringing, they're ready to close the door and I thought, oh, I'll just, it's gonna be quick. I'll just answer real quick because I'm gonna be off the grid for 10 days. And she answers it and she said, hey, did you read the paper this morning? And I'm thinking, this is seven in the morning. I do not wake up and read the paper. That is not me. No, and she said, well, the deputy assistant for population affairs was asked to resign this week and we think you should submit your resume. And I said, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> she goes, well, think about it. I, I, no, no, I, Valerie, I, I love this. I'm global. This is, you know, I was a missionary. This is, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. And she said to me, are you willing to pray about it? And by the end of that week, we both felt like that. This was so not random, that I couldn't pers not pursue it, but I'm a doctor. That's it. I do not have the 23 letters after my name that everybody else in this position here has. And I figured they'd see my resume. It would go up the pike. They'd say, no. And I'd, and I'd get the brownie points for being willing to give up something I loved, right? <laughs> you know, or doing something that God would, you know, whatever. And that didn't happen. I mean, literally, it just like, it was like the most crazy thing. And by May, I had moved down here. I want to talk about government a little bit, which is a newer hat that you're wearing. You know, you're, you're setting public policy. How do, you, how do you integrate your faith into your work now that it, it affects, I mean, this may sound overstatement, but it affects a nation. It affects a huge population of people who are extremely diverse and all over the place. How do you integrate your faith into that kind of work? This isn't a theocracy. I think that we have a calling to be involved in the marketplace. I think we have a calling to, I think we need, we need Christians involved in every sphere of our society to influence what is there. Yes, you know, there's something about coming to church and being in your body of believers, but if you're only staying in a place where you're not having an opportunity to influence or to have people watch the life that you live or look at the decisions that you make. And, and you know, you see, I mean, we've, you see so many people that get in a position of power or authority and they forget everything that brought them to that place. I think that's where, where Christians in, in the marketplace make a difference. There's an integrity that is there regardless of the circumstance and truth doesn't change based on the circumstance. I think that, there's such a, 
there's such a toxicity and aversion, this whole separation of church and state, which was not what was intended by the Constitution. It was intended that the government could not force you to be in a religion. You know, that was what the separation was supposed to be. And the fact that we feel like, or people feel like you have to take your faith out of whatever you're doing. Um, I think it's a tricky thing because I think that while you have to be true to what you believe, the other side of that is that there are, um, this isn't the church, you know, it's not a theocracy. And so there are laws and rules that are followed and need to be followed. The beautiful thing though, when you look at health is that these principles are God given and, and what you are putting forth in public policy is God's policy. You just don't have to call it that all the time without it being true. Right. Well, and I think that, um, I think that the same principles that you would apply anywhere apply here. And I think it is being a servant. I think it is, um, you know, putting other people first. It is um, not being, um, not thinking of yourself better than others, <laughs> right? Th those whole kinds of attitudes as you're working with other people, being calm in chaos, you know, recognizing the world isn't ending because we actually know how it's going to end and it's not right now, you know, those kinds of things and doing the job that you're supposed to do to the best that you can do it. We're joined now by Dennis Jackson, Executive Director of Global Partners. And Dennis, as I understand, we just heard from Diane Foley You've had a long time relationship with her and seen her work for the kingdom. Yeah, we went to college together at Indiana Wesleyan University and we shared a lot of, I was college president of the sophomore class. She was my vice president and uh, we were just great friends. And I tracked with her and her husband uh, because they just, they love the Wesleyan church. They love missions and uh, did a lot of work overseas on short-term trips as medical doctors. And then, uh, and then in 2012, when I took on this role, she actually became our Global Partners Health Network Director part-time, but she brought this history, and you've just heard about that. You know, growing up on the mission field, she spoke Haitian Creole, where we have a hospital. She was just amazing and advancing because she understood so well the medical pieces, but also understood what it's like to do that in a third world context. And man, she just brought training and encouragement and development, funding along the way that she raised for some of our hospitals. We have three hospitals, two in Africa, one in Haiti. And uh, yeah, just outstanding. Served us so well until she took the current role that she's in now where she had to be full-time with that and couldn't offer. But it's still a great encouragement to us. Love there. Part of the reason we wanted to have you on more than your connection with Diane and, and her ministry is both Wayne and, and Dave have shared with the MM team about your vision for missions and and what it's going to look like in the future. And you and I were just talking off screen about what's missions look like in 10 years. And it's you're trying to pray and dream about what that looks like. And there's some real connections, the potential of marketplace multipliers. So could you just share a little bit about what's on your heart as you're seeing the future for what, what God may do? Yeah, one of the things that I think we're most concerned about is the most unreached areas of the world are the hardest ones to send in what we would call maybe traditional missionaries. 
pastors, people that have studied the ministry and go and start churches and reach people. We're talking about places where sometimes it's a seven-year to 10-year relationship before the first person comes to Christ. Well, you know, that's hard in itself, but it's even harder because the places that are least reached right now are also the most difficult places to enter. There are entire countries, in fact, the two most populous countries in the world don't allow missionaries to come, but they allow business people. They allow people that are in medical work. They allow people that are social kind of people because there's a lot of pressure for them to conform to to standards of the United Nations and things like that. And there's places for workers like that. And what we've been so inspired by what you guys are doing is what would it be like for us to come alongside and actually train people who are going legitimately, real business people, real medical people, real social, you know, science people, come alongside of them and say, okay, how could we help to equip you? Not just what you're doing. I mean, you're, you know how to do what you do, but how could we come alongside and give cultural connection, contextualization, maybe some methods that help you to share your Christ and be Christ follower in that, that kind of setting and some things that don't work. And then how could we also come along and just care for you? Because it's not an easy thing to live cross-culturally. And, uh, you know, you hit these walls. We, we talk all the time about the three-month wall where you were so excited to go to a place like that. And at three months, you go, what in the world did I do? <laughs> I'm killing myself. I'm killing my family. Why did I come here? You know, and uh, but, but those are just natural walls. You hit one at six months. You hit one at 12 months. And how could we come along to just offer care, provision? And then how could we come alongside to equip, you know, again, what it is to to be on mission while you're serving in the field that you're already in. You know, it's, it's really amazing to hear you say this because just hearing your heart, hearing Wayne's heart, hearing Dave's heart, and just seeing different people who have big dreams for where the gospel may go and then seeing these different pieces connect and, and how they work together. What's your hope for the potential of, of where the gospel may go in the next decade? Yeah, you know, I, I just believe that the Lord knows exactly what he's doing and he's raising up even the marketplace multipliers for a time such as this. You know, I, I sense um, that we're going to have to be more creative. We're going to have to be more selective in what we can do and what we can't do. I think there's new, even with this COVID thing, there's new opportunities for us to connect via technology that before people would not have responded to it just but now everybody's on it. Everybody, there may be new ways to overcome barriers that were there before that were almost, you know, insurmountable. And now all of a sudden, and I think this next generation is going to be key to it too. I mean, I talked to, I talked to parents who are telling me my kid's two best friends. He's never met. And one lives in China and one lives in Jamaica, but they're best friends. And you can't tell them they're not best friends. Because they're connected really deeply. And what will that mean in this next generation to be global and, and reach out? And then if we could send real people um, who say, you know what, I'm going to give three years of my life. I'm an engineer. I'm a medical doctor. I, I'm a businessman. I really understand what it is to create a business or to be involved in a business. I'm going to join a company that's already in that country that's looking for somebody like me. But I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to be sharing Christ. I'm going to be seeking opportunities to do the very best I can in my field. But I believe that God's going to appoint me for such a time as this. 
And uh, man, I I just think the, the you know, God knows what He's doing, and He's He's the barriers that are barriers to us are not barriers to Him, but He'll have to find other people, new people, and not the traditional thing. So, well, it's it's fun to hear you talk about this in a dream, and I know there's marketplace multipliers listening now that are going to be joining in prayer. So, thanks so much for leading the way. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. For more information, go to www.marketplacemultipliers.com. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and share with others who may benefit. And remember, you too can integrate your faith and influence your workplace for Christ.